Does saline dissolve hyaluronic acid? Could we use saline instead of hyaluronidase to dissolve some of our more common problems like filler migration? Or is this just a really bad idea based on bad science? That's what we're exploring today in the Aesthetics Mastery Show. Hi, I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Hi, I'm Ryder Pierce. And today we're talking about something I've come across on social media now a few times, which is this idea that you can dissolve hyaluronic acid from dermal filler using normal saline. So there have been some interesting experiments posted of filler being dissolved on mirrors so that you can actually see how easily it makes the filler spread. And then posing the question essentially of, Maybe we can use this instead of hyaluronic hyaluronidase uh, to save most of our patients the risk and potentially get them the result that they want with fewer side effects. Uh, but there's a lot more to it we want to dive into. So why would anyone be motivated to dissolve filler with anything other than hyaluronidase anyway? Before I dive into that question, if you have faith you're going to learn something from the show, please give us a like. We really appreciate it. And uh, I'll do my best to deliver. So the the reason I think this is tempting is it's so much simpler. I mean, injecting saline is low risk. No one's allergic to saline. Um, and if you could get a result or maybe even some improvement without that risk, maybe it's worth it. So um, I think it's more and more commonly being used, particularly people who have a positive allergy test or, or have other concerns about reversal because many patients have various ideas which we're going to discuss, uh, which I don't think are true, but they are, they're important to acknowledge. And it could be reasonable if there was some benefit that we used some saline to disperse some certain products in certain ways. Um, and that's worth exploring because if it's useful, then it's certainly safe. But obviously, if it, if it doesn't actually achieve anything, there is no point. So we need, to, we need to understand what is going on underneath the skin and see if this really makes sense for our patients. And you've got a cool experiment that you're going to share with us as well, haven't you? Yeah, well, we've got, we're going to do the little experiment that you've probably seen, but this time I'm using a control because one of the issues I think with these clips that you see of hyaluronic acid being dissolved by hyaluronidase is that there isn't a control next to saline. And similarly with these saline clips that I've seen uh, with a dissolving hyaluronic acid with saline is there isn't a hyaluronidase one next to it to compare. So, And one of the problems also is that you can't actually see the difference between filler and saline because they're the same color. It's very hard to see what's actually going on. So I'm going to try and mix some food coloring and see if you can actually see it a bit better. Um, and uh, sorry for those of you listening on the podcast, but this is obviously on YouTube and we will make sure um, that you can find it there as well in shorter clip form as well. Starting with the hyaluronidase then, what is that? So I think it's really important that going into this sort of question that you know what the fundamental truths are, because if you have a different idea about what an enzyme is or what dissolving means, you can be confused. And certainly I think our patients are confused. And this really is about helping clinicians explain better to their patients what's actually going on when you do these dissolving or um, reversal processes. So it's important to understand what hyaluronidase is because that's one of the first questions any well-thinking patient will ask you is, well, what actually is this reversing agent? Uh, and what it is, is an enzyme that we've already got in our skin. So all of us produce at least five different types of hyaluronidase. There's a gene as well that uh, we don't express um, that also is coded similarly to hyaluronidase. But in practical sense, there are five types of hyaluronidase that we produce. Um, and that is important in the human body for keeping things moving. So um, if you do an experiment, it's one of the experiments I came across was uh, knocking out the gene for hyaluronidase in mice. And what happens is certain systems get bunged up. So essentially what hyaluronidase does is it keeps fluids flowing. So if you 
block up the system and remove hyaluronidase, lymph nodes get clogged up. You get a buildup of hyaluronic acid and basically things don't flow easily. Now hyaluronic acid is an interstitial molecule designed to hold moisture in the skin. It forms part of the structure of the skin, continuously processed almost on a, on a conveyor belt. Um, and then it should be broken down as it leaves that system so that other things can flow. Bang! And the dirt is gone! So there's this balance being created by our ability to produce hyaluronic acid and also to break down hyaluronidase at the right rate. Um, and then we use these enzymes to solve various problems that we may come across in medical aesthetics. Uh, but essentially, it's just an enzyme. And it's like any enzyme, very specific to do just one reaction. It hydrolyzes the breakdown of hyaluronic acid. So it splits down a polymer molecule into a monomer molecule. So long chain molecule into single components. And then of course they float off so much more easily than the long polymers and we get rid of the problem. And for those people who are used to hearing Hyalase, that's the brand, that's brand name version of hyaluronidase. And in America they use Hyalonex. So Hyalase, Vitrase, Amphidase, Hylinex, all of these are brand names for different hyaluronidases um, and they have specific properties. Most of them are made from animals. So in the UK, uh, the products that we have access to are actually come from the gonads, the testicles of, um, uh, of either cows or sheep. Um, but in America, you have this DNA recombinant Hylinex product, which is uh, in theory much less likely to cause allergic reaction. That's actually made from the, from the, the gene in hamster ovaries. But uh, what they've done is, uh, is, is altered it so it matches the human form. So you're vastly less likely to get an allergic reaction to it. So does the hyaluronidase only break down the hyaluronic acid filler or does it also break down your existing skin and all of that? So very important question. And many, many people have this idea that it breaks down almost anything, like it's a detergent that just flushes out everything that's in the skin. It's really important to explain to your patients that the, the definition of an enzyme, the actual fundamental of what an enzyme is, is that it's a highly specific catalyst of one reaction. It can't do everything because the more general things are, the slower they tend to be. So this takes a the, the long chain sugar molecule, hyaluronic acid, and it hydrolyzes it. That basically means it uses water to split it apart and separate it into small chunks. And that's a very specific process. The idea that it would also somehow destroy your collagen, which is a protein molecule, just does not fit with the fundamental science of how enzymes work. They are highly specific. So um, it's important to explain that because otherwise patients just think it's, it's generally dissolving tissue. Now, if you consent them well, you'll probably also mention that it may break down your natural hyaluronic acid. And this is where I think all the confusion comes from, because as soon as you say that, they hear down here that it's breaking down all their skin. You know, it's breaking down the natural, my natural skin. So you must explain that your natural hyaluronic acid is reproduced every 36 hours, it's replaced. So it's on this conveyor belt, like your hair growing, if someone shaved your head, it would be sad, but you'd grow your hair back. And it's exactly like that with hyaluronidase, that it may get rid of your hyaluronic acid that's natural, as well as the product that you don't want. But all of that's going to return within a week and certainly is not going to break down collagen. That's just not how these enzymes work. So how is the hyaluronidase dissolving the filler? So that actually brings me on to a really important point about why I think patients get confused, which is bombshell, hyaluronidase does not dissolve dermal filler. Technically, what it does is it hydrolyzes it. Dissolving is essentially taking a molecule and allowing it to, to become dissolved in the fluid. So the hyaluronic acid molecule is essentially pulled into the, into the fluid. That's basically how 
water dissolves things. Water is the universal solvent. It dissolves all sorts of things. It's got these polar molecules that essentially pull hyaluronic acid molecules and engage with them into the fluid, but they stay as one long molecule. So the hyaluronic acid that we actually inject is already dissolved. That's what's in your fluid. If you actually break down how much hyaluronic acid is in your normal, even a thick product has got 24 milligrams per gram. And that, if you break that down, is only 2.5% of what you've actually holding in your syringe is actually hyaluronic acid. The rest of it is water. So it's already dissolved. Adding more water to that, yes, it will disperse it and it dissolves it a bit more. But it's very different from hydrolyzing it because hydrolyzing it shatters it into components. So Hyalase does not dissolve dermal filler. It hydrolyzes dermal filler and it separates it into monomers. And once your patients understand that, um, and certainly in terms of this idea of injecting saline, you can see how they're going to be different. Um, and that should help you make a, a clearer decision about how these are likely to play out in vivo. Even though I love you talking science, do the patients really need to know this level of detail? Well, I think there's a cohort of patients who maybe have had a bad experience, had a reversal. They may be on the anxious end of the spectrum and certain uncertainty can grow in their mind and they can they can become very focused on areas that have been treated if they suspect that it might have damaged their tissue because they don't understand how this works it can become something they become fixated on um i really don't have never seen a patient with a long-term side effect from hyaluron days i've injected in emergency situations thousands of units and seen that same patient back with no side effects that i can detect um, but you do come across patients who say that it's forever changed their skin. Now, I, I suspect that that idea creeps in. And I'm not saying that, you know, who knows what complications people have had, but is it hyaluron days causing it? Doesn't make sense to me. And I, I think a bad explanation leaves room for the imagination to think the worst. And that's why I think it's really important if you're doing a reversal on a patient, particularly if they're an anxious patient, that you give them a very good description of how this works and how it doesn't work so that they don't have room in their in their mind's eye to think of all the worst case scenarios. It, it just confines them closer to reality. So that's why I think it's so important we explain this to patients well. So tell me about the experiment you're doing with blue spaghetti. So it's starting with the one we've all seen before, which is hyaluronic acid uh, on a mirror. And we're going to film it in two situations. One is with saline and one is with hyaluronidase. Uh, we'll inject that, give it a minute for it to react and see what difference the hyaluronidase makes in comparison with the saline. Uh, and I'm expecting you'll see some dispersal from both. Uh, hopefully we'll see a difference between them, them each. And then I want to try and explain how I think injecting saline might work, if at all, and why it's important to understand how different the situation is in vivo. In, in the skin, it's different on the mirror in a very important way, which the analogy will make clear. So this is how I picture what is going on in the skin. 
Within the interstitial space, you have your macromolecules of the skin, your collagen, elastin, the gamma aminoglycans, other than hyaluronic acid, and of course, your own endogenous hyaluronic acid. And all of those polymers are represented by this spring. So this is your interstitial space. Now this represents the dermal filler that we like to inject. So it's, it happens to be pasta, which means it is actually a sugar. And as we inject that into the interstitial space, it will integrate with those other molecules and in time, it creates a filling effect. So this vase here represents what would happen if we filled, if you're filling the interstitial space with saline without hyaluronidase in it. So we should hopefully see, there we go. So we're now flooding the interstitial space, but we're not breaking down the molecules. They're simply soaking in it. And what we should see happen is even if we fill it right to the top and let it overflow, it's not gonna wash anything away. That, this is what I imagine when you're injecting saline. Now you could massage this and hopefully get some of the strands to emerge, but it's not gonna be that easy, is it? To get anything to come out. They certainly will move around a bit more, but this is just gonna overflow all day. And we're not gonna get any improvement in the amount of hyaluronic acid in the skin. Now this represents hyaluronidase. It's gonna chop up those macromolecules into tiny sections, which will then allow your clients especially to understand how different it is from injecting saline on its own. Now, remember the interstitial space is continuously replaced. The fluid from your heart is constantly replacing that fluid. So within the interstitium, the broken down hyaluronic acid will start to flow out. So that's it, I hope that made it much more vivid in your mind and that you can now explain it better to your patients. We have this issue where the hyaluronidase has dissolved all of the product and then as we pump water into it, it just disappeared. Uh, whereas on this side, it's integrated into the tissue. So flooding it with saline, you might, if you're lucky, get a couple of strands out, but basically most of it stays put. Um, that's how I understand it. What do you think? Let us know in the comments. So in summary then, what would saline do if we injected it into a patient's lump of filler? So according to my mental model, and I'm very keen to hear what other people picture in, in this situation, but what I'm picturing is this tangled mass of hyaluronic acid molecules woven in together with the collagen and elastin and the other gamma-aminoglycans in the skin, like a tangled bunch of wires together. And if you inject lots of saline, the, the saline will, will primarily, if it's well integrated, will primarily flow through it. You may hold on to the moisture a bit longer uh, and then it will gradually ooze out and it will disappear. And I, I, it may take some of those fragments with it, but I don't think it'll make a big difference in that highly integrated version of events. Now that might be very different if the lump has been caused very recently. So maybe the, the filler is, has just been injected two hours ago and it's not integrated into the skin, I think it would be much easier to disperse that product. So a lump that's just been injected will be a bit easier. Um, and uh, any, any filler that's quite concentrated, so if you've just got one lump that hasn't integrated, even if that's been injected two months ago, but it's in one focused area, that might be easier to disperse. But I don't think it's going to leave the tissue. I think it's going to be spread locally 
because that's the nature of these long chain hyaluronic acid molecules. Now, the other situation that's interesting would be filler that's breaking down slowly over time. So this might be, I've seen it a few times with tear troughs where seven or eight years after the procedure, they, they develop a puffiness, an eye bag. And perhaps if you've got lots of short chain hyaluronic acid molecules and you inject some saline, perhaps you'll wash some of those shorter chain molecules out of the skin a bit sooner. Of course, they may also hold on to that moisture and you may actually get a bit more edema. So um, those are the kind of scenarios playing out in my mind. I think it's reasonable to try it if someone's got an allergy and you've got a little bit of a, a lump and you can't get rid of it in the normal ways. Uh, it might work. Um, I don't think it's going to replace hyaluron days anytime soon because of the nature of this tissue integration and the fact that these molecules don't simply just leave the site of injection because you pour. So you've explained that saline doesn't really work to reverse filler, but what happens if someone's really allergic to hyaluronidase and then in an emergency situation, we can't, like vascular occlusion, we can't reverse with hyaluronidase. Will we try the saline anyway? I can't think of a good basis to say that that would be make any sense. I, I don't think you're going to... Um, I suppose maybe you, you could decrease the tissue pressure around the occlusion if you're worried about compression. But let's face it, that's not mostly what we're worrying about. Um, so I, I don't think injecting saline is going to be high in the list of things to do. You're going to do all the other stuff, your massage, warm compress, hyperbaric oxygen. Um, those things are most likely to help. So um, I'm not suggesting we inject saline in the case of vascular occlusion. I'm saying perhaps it might help in a recent injection or maybe some filler migration with someone who's allergic, then we could consider trying this um, and then see what happens. Uh, it's not, there's no evidence I'm aware of that it works very well, but it's, it's, a, it's an avenue to explore. It's relatively low risk. Um, so that's where we are with it. And are you saying that we should only explore with this saline if someone is allergic to the hyaluronidase? So you're not just casually doing it. It's like it's got to be a, a second option. Well, it depends on when, when you've injected them and what the situation is. So it's, it's, it's nuanced. It depends. So if you think you've got a clear lump of filler that's just been injected and you find it hard to massage, it will probably disperse more easily with saline. So then you can use it. But it's not going to get saline out of a blood vessel. Mm. Sorry, it's not going to get hyaluronic acid out of a blood vessel. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So I really hope that helped you picture a bit more what's going on under the skin. And I'm really interested to know if you have a different picture of what's going on in the skin in these two situations. Um, because the mental models where all the magic happens, what we're imagining happening, and it gets more sophisticated the more you learn about these topics, the better your decisions are. Um, so what I've explained to you today is that tissue integration is key, and these hyaluronic acid molecules simply will not float away as easily as you might hope just by injecting with saline. So it's unlikely that in the average situation, it's going to be a game changer. They may do something, maybe some gentle improvement, and maybe that's worth it in cases particularly where, pe where patients are known to be highly allergic to hyaluronidase. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. What did you find most interesting and what do you think is different or what have you pictured differently in the skin when you're using these products and that may in particular change your decisions? I'd love to hear more about that. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe and we'll see you next week. Take care.